The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit fef.law. Hello, friends. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we're going to cover today's Jossie Zarda signing along with the other Austin FC news of the week. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. I want to get back into a topic that we have not, that we don't do as much of. You know, years ago, we were a beer, soccer, and politics podcast because, and probably more a beer and politics podcast with some soccer because there was no soccer. Yeah, it became in, a little, in that order, beer, politics, soccer. <laughs> yeah, and it become a little bit less of that, but now I see that you're enjoying a tasty beer that is in limited run, so why don't you let the folks know it's what is in front of you. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, it is, it is winter seasonal season, uh, and I am drinking the El Sputnico, which is one of the variations of m- probably my favorite Austin seasonal beer. I think probably your favorite Austin seasonal beer as well, which which is the Sputnik from Austin Beer Works. Uh, El Sputnico is their uh, kind of like Mexican hot chocolate take on the Sputnik with cacao nibs and chilies and cinnamon and stuff like that. So I've been drinking caffeine during the show for the last few months because I stay up late and edit as soon as we get done recording and I've discovered if I had a beer or two, then I just wanted to go to bed immediately. So I switched to caffeine. But because this has coffee in it, I can have a beer and have caffeine. And it kills two birds. So I'm I'm extra thankful for Sputnik this season. <laughs> what a what a wholesome combination. Now <laughs> I have not gotten my Sputnik yet, but I just I saw it was out everywhere and I've kind of forgot. And so I'm jealous. I will go down to the corner store tomorrow and pick pick mine up before I miss out on it this year but it is always a seasonal delight uh, before we jump into Jossie Zardes and the other Austin FC news um, I, I think we should take a, a minute to say something about Grant Wall I think most people listening to this will know that uh, he passed away suddenly during the during a game at the World Cup that he was covering the other day um, I, I don't I don't think you ever had a, any interaction with him I know I didn't but um, he he kind of has an important place in in Austin FC history, right? Kind of starting off the all the discussions of possibly Austin possibly getting a team with a tweet in was it October so October seventeenth? No, October something twenty seventeen or something like that, right? Yeah, I, I went back and looked that up, and it's amazing how fast stuff disappears even on the internet. So it's October sixteenth of twenty seventeen. He put out the tweet that said that if. Anthony Precourt did not get a downtown stadium in Columbus. They were looking to move to Austin, which then led this... I'd forgotten this part of it at all, but then that same night, there was this unsourced Columbus dispatch story that said basically it was a done deal and that Austin FC would start playing soccer in the 2019 season at the University of Texas football stadium while a soccer-specific stadium was being built, which I just totally forgotten that part of the story, which is kind <laughs> of wild. And that would have been such a bad outcome, I think, for Austin. Yeah, if it, if it had turned out that way. I mean, this this timeline that we're in now is absolutely the best timeline. Um, I guess that'll always be my first thought about Grant Wall is just that part of like Austin history. And that, like you said, I didn't meet him or know him, but the like the people who I respect, who I have met and known, who know him, have like nothing but the n- nicest, most amazing things to say about him. And I guess that's really my impression of the guy is in his commitment to the American soccer community. Yeah, well said. All right, let's jump into the Austin FC news. So I think the biggest news was today we got some green smoke. Uh, we were thinking maybe <laughs> we were going to have to just talk about 
the signing assuming that it was Jossie Zardes. And then luckily Anthony Precourt was nice and, and decided to announce it immediately instead of the next day. So we actually got the announcement today. Austin FC signed Jossie Zardes uh, from he's playing for Colorado last year, was a free agent this year. Jeremiah, are there any other details that we should note on the show? We did get some details, which is probably the most exciting part of getting this news today as opposed to speculating on what it might be. So he signed a three-year guaranteed contract. Uh, so it's guaranteed through the end of 2025. Option for 2026, club option, um, obviously. Uh, and I think everybody probably listening to the show knows a little bit about him. He's... Uh, MLS Cup winner in 2014 with a Galaxy 2020 in Columbus, All-Star in 2015, Comeback Player of the Year in 2018. The guy has a long history of success in the league. 267 appearances, 97 goals, 13th most goals in league history. So there's no doubt that the, oh, did we, I guess 31, which it seems like he's been around for 25 years. So the fact he's 31 seems younger than I thought he might be. But yeah, definitely a strong resume uh, and a big name coming to Austin. So we we have we asked for some listener questions to kind of find out what what you guys want to know about Jossie Zardes. So we're going to try to go through some of those and maybe throw in some of our some of our thoughts throughout the way. So Jeremiah, you want to start off with this first one? Yeah, the first one comes from Steve that says this is just the question really about him as a player. What makes a striker like Jossie so exciting for a system like ours where others haven't delivered? I know we have the data from his time under Burhalter, but what are the things that he does differently? I think you probably have a really good take on this. Yeah, so whenever this rumor started, I don't know, a week and a half, two weeks ago, kind of, I know people had, had written about this and talked about this, so I kind of wanted to try to find the language to say, like, why is Jossie Sardes good and why do people not think he's good or not understand why he's good? And I found this piece by John Muller, um, who lives in Austin now, I believe, uh, writes for the athletic has done, had a successful blog for a few years called space, space, space. And this is a post from his blog and the title of it was movement is the goal in praise of Jossie Zardes, a striker who didn't score. And <laughs> he, he paints a really beautiful picture in this piece. And he, he makes a point saying, one way of thinking about sports is that winning is the point of the game and that outscoring the other team is how you win. And so like the scoreboard is all that matters. And then he goes on to say another less exciting way of thinking about sports is that playing well means doing things that are likely to help your team win. And two examples of that he gives are shooting a contested jump shot whenever you have a, a teammate open under the basket. Even if you make that jump shot, the better play was to play to your teammate under the basket. And then if you're a wide receiver who runs crisp routes all game for zero, zero yards, that player outplayed the player who couldn't get open the whole game, but catches a deflection for the game winning touchdown. And then he admits like that, that kind of fandom is mostly for nerds who can't experience joy, which I might put myself into, <laughs> into that category. But to say like who Jossie Zard is, is as a player. He's not as technically gifted as many players in the league. His first touch often leaves something to be desired, but he is that receiver who will run crisp routes all game, even when he doesn't expect the ball to come to him. And he does that because he knows that the worst case scenario is that he opens up space for a teammate. 
he forces a defender into a difficult decision about who to mark. And so his positioning, his movement, his intelligence are all really good. He's great at getting chances in good positions. And his best seasons, uh, his best season ever in MLS came under Burhalter and Wolf in Columbus. And so he he works well in a system. And hopefully he can re- recreate some of that magic here in Austin with uh, with Coach Wolf. He's also been really successful when he's been surrounded by good players. And so his breakout season was with Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan with the Galaxy. He got played out of position for a few years after that. Didn't really have a resurgence until he went to the crew where he's playing with Celerion, Pedro Santos, Darlington Nagby. And so looking at this Austin team and Zardes stepping into it, you see we have Nagby 2.0 in Danny Pereira. We also have... Sebastian Juicy, Diego Fagundes, and then a guy who p- plays really good balls into the box. None of them amounted to anything at the end of this last season, but uh, Emiliano Ragoni, a guy who can play really good crosses. Zardes is a guy who knows how to move, knows how to get in the spaces where he can get on the end of those crosses. And so these are the reasons why I, I'm excited about, um, about Zardes and, think that like these are the things that he can do differently than anybody we've had on the team so far. And just to go back to like, we t- I think we mentioned this last week, but just like last year, it's the worst year of his career, he scored more goals than any striker that Austin FC had. So even if you just look at it from from that way, like he's going to be an addition to the club. Um, and then there's this weird, I don't know if it's, it, I don't know if it's a subset or it's like all U.S. national team fans, but like explain I've looked this up online. I don't understand like the hatred among the U.S. national team fans for the way Giassi Sardes plays. Other than, I mean, I know he's played a bunch of matches and hasn't scored a ton, but that seems to be the way with U.S. strikers. I don't know, going back to like when Josie Altador was hot. Um, did you credit this question? Oh, I didn't. Uh, that would be MSC and Lucas Laredo both ask okay. like, why do the national team fans hate him so much? Yeah, so I was trying to think of who the guys were that he was playing over during his runs with the national team. And I think at least one of the the eras was when Josh Sargent kind of starting to have some success. But it was it was usually younger guys who were playing in Europe that US fans wanted to see get a chance. And so Jossie Zardes represented this less talented MLS player. Um, that a lot of people didn't understand why he was getting looks over these guys playing in Europe. I think there's like some some Euro snobbery baked into this. There's some like anti-MLS sentiment baked into it. But I think it also goes back to kind of the point I made before of people not understanding what Jossie Zardes does good because it is it is that thing about like doing the right thing doesn't always mean you score a goal. And just because you missed a shot, you missed one shot, doesn't mean you didn't have like a pretty good game on the whole. And so I think it's a combination of all of those things of just like the era he was playing in, who the other options were, and the fact that he was an MLS player are kind of the reasons why a lot of national team fans do not like Jossie Zardes. And he also had a penchant for like stuff that made him look kind of goofy, right? Like finishing goals off his head or off his butt. But you know yeah. what? He was in the right place to get a to, <laughs> to finish a goal off his head or his butt. And like, that's fine if you get there. Um, this next one was something I was. This is interesting in terms of the 
roster for the rest of the year what we can what we can do but like where do we expect his contract to be as far as like Tam or Gamut how this might affect our budget next year I totally made one point I think he made 1.5 5 million last year I mean he has to be I'm assuming he is making less this year than he made last year and that he will be a Tam player do you agree with that part of the assumption yeah as far as the actual mechanisms we're using I like Tam is essentially being phased out and so we're using some we'll be using some type of allocation money to buy him down to below dp level he'll be making above that 650,000 mark i would be i would guess as far as the actual number um i i think this is where the length of this contract becomes really interesting because we talked about hector jimenez going down to a lower number with that one year plus a one year club option. We talked about John Gallagher, maybe taking a little less money so he can stay here for a longer amount of time. This might be a similar thing where a 31 year old striker, a three year contract maybe feels a little bit long, but maybe Zardes is willing to take a little bit less than maybe he could get elsewhere for a year because it is that three year contract. And so I look at that contract length as a sign that maybe fans will be um, okay with what this number ends up being. We won't find out until the Players Association releases those numbers uh, sometime in the spring or summer. But yeah, I, I mean, my instinct is like maybe like between six fifty and eight hundred thousand, but it could be higher. Do you think? What, what What do you think? I could see it being closer to a million, but I think it's less than than last year. And when you look in terms of the the overall roster, I went back and looked, um, and it seems like Ruben and maybe a little bit of Maxi were the only players who were making over the, was it six, was it 625? Is 612 last year. Yeah. It'd be 650 this year. And, and weren't DP, so it seems like there's some flexibility there, even bringing, um, actually Danny Houston was also in that category last year. Yeah. Um, but there's some flexibility to bring him in and then not be like, have the whole budget blown too, in terms of what we think he probably makes, but, yeah, I think maybe a little more, maybe a little closer to a million. Definitely less than last year, so which answers uh, Devin's question, which is what is your break-even point to say whether it's a good signing or a bad signing? Um, I would say, I guess, yeah. under a million is my good signing or bad signing. Yeah, I think I think you're right. My, my number was probably a little too low. Um, but yeah, I mean, a million... I think it, it like that's that's a relative question, right? Like, it kind of depends on how he looks this year. Right. <laughs> if he scores 12 to 15 goals, then... I honestly don't care what they're paying him because he's making this team better. And so it starts to look bad if he plays 12 games and has one goal or something like that. Um, it, it Then it looks bad. And like maybe the break-even point is like that threshold is much lower. But if he's scoring goals, then I honestly don't care what they're paying him because he, he is the piece that we need if, if he can do what – if he can reach his potential – Let's go into where he where we think he sits. This is another could be another Ariaga question, and then one similar from Brendan Heights is basically what's what, what does your depth chart look like? Uh, that's Ariaga's question, and then what are the situations where Austin might play himself with a two striker lineup? I mean, I don't think on the first one, I think he has to sit at the top of the depth chart. Obviously, he has to prove himself, and you know, and this is uh, when Claudio and Josh talk a lot. They talk about wanting to have depth and wanting to have players that push other players, but. One would have to imagine all things being equal, Jossie Zardes is the game one starter for Austin FC. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I think that just looking at the numbers from last year, Zardes played fewer, slightly fewer games, slightly fewer minutes than Maxi Ruti did, and this was two for two two different teams, mind you. Uh, his goal numbers were equal or better. Several other stats where he was equal or better than Maxi Ruti. One that he where he was significantly better was expected goals. And we talk about that being an imperfect stat in general, even more imperfect when you're looking at a single game or a couple of games. But over a season, it is a pretty good little indicator of of what a player's doing. Jossie Zardes had way higher XG numbers than Maxi Ruti did. And then if you look at um shot distance, I think he was looking at FB FB ref he was in the 99th percentile as far as average shot distance goes. So meaning he shoots on average from closer to the goal than 99% of the league or 99% of strikers do in the league. And so just talking about, again, getting into good spots. Um, I think just that movement, the intelligence, the work rate, like, yeah, Maxi has the work rate, but I think there's some other stuff that, Zardes is just a, a cut above him in several ways. And so, yeah, I, I completely agree that Zardes is at the top of that depth chart, barring any any strange circumstances. And then you want to get to Brennan's other question. Like, do you see situations where Austin would play two up top? It doesn't really seem like Austin's style unless... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not gonna really... Be, it's going to be a long year and a weird year. There's going to be a lot of... There's going to be a lot of fixtures, so maybe in some kind of rotational thing they do, but I don't see that happening from with any intention. Yeah, it's it's would be very out of character for Wolf um, based on the two years of evidence we have so far. Uh, maybe at the very end of a game when it's like, okay, we're throwing the kitchen sink, trying to get a goal back or something. But uh, I do not think that will ever be the plan from the start of a game. And then the other thing that we know uh, that Maxi does a lot is presses, and he presses all over the field, which I think is probably the advantage that he still brings in situations to the club, but like, where do you see Austin finding the replacement for that? Or are they just playing a different way when Jossie's on the field? I think Jossie can still do that same kind of pressing. I don't know that he is as quick as Maxi and maybe not as tireless as Maxi is at that pressing, but he can still do it. And I think where he lacks the, I can't think of the word here, but like the lack of like the where Maxi never gets tired, never stops running, never stops fighting. If Zardes isn't able to do that, I think as far as the mental side, the strategic side of it, I think he'll still be very good at at pressing in this system and just being in the right place, cutting passes off at the right angle, angling a run around to cut off passes to certain people. So I think he'll still be effective in the press, maybe not to the same physical level as Maxi, but from the mental and physical combined, I think he'll still be very effective. Well, to, speaking of Maxi, we had a question from Seth Rao. Which, uh, does Maxi want to trade this offseason? Do we see Maxi going anywhere? I don't know, man. He may want one. Um, <laughs> that's, that's true. Want one and get one are probably two different <laughs> questions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what the market is going to be like for him right now. And like, um, there might be takers, but he had a, a decent season last year. He's 31 years old, and he's never had, like, an amazing season in this league. He's always just been, like, 
that that seven like seven to ten goals is kind of like a good year for him and he's never really done better than that and so like yeah maybe he would want to leave but i don't know how realistic it is um I'm hoping, like you said before, Jeremiah, I'm hoping this will push all of these strikers to do better, uh, knowing that they're going to have to fight for their minutes a little bit more. And um, I I mean, Maxi seems like the guy who's going to come at it with that attitude. Teammates seem to really like him. Uh, You don't hear guys saying negative things about him in the locker room, really, or stories coming out about that. So I'm hoping that's going to be the case, that he'll just come to work and, and be be a good team player. But yeah, who knows? Well, somebody, somebody else had a question about, uh, that reminds me about Giassi and like how he would, like what kind of guy he would be and um, how he would fit into the locker room. Uh, maybe, I think maybe it was the sec, maybe that was like a second part of a question from from Emma. And so like, tell everybody the story of why Jesse Zardes has a blonde mohawk. Because I feel <laughs> yes. like that really... If you if you don't love him before, like just that story makes you want to love. Like I told my wife, and she's like, "Oh, this is my new favorite player already." Yeah, you, at a first glance, you might see him like this, like tall, handsome dude with a blonde mohawk. You're like, "Oh, he's a showboat. Like he he's like a flashy guy." But really, it's because um, whenever he was younger, his grandmother couldn't tell which player he was on the field, and so he started bleaching the top of his mohawk so his grandma could see him on the field and know okay that one's Jossie I can watch this player and he's just done it his entire career I've never seen him without that blonde mohawk and so as as far as like personality goes I've never heard anybody like on a personal level say anything bad about Jossie Zardes teammates seem to really like him coaches seem to really like him fans always seem to really like him and so I think he's going to be um, a great teammate. As far as like like the vibes, I don't think he's bringing like maxi level vibes to the team. He's going to be more in the vein of like your Matt Beasler, uh, Ethan Finley, Hector Jimenez guys, like the older, older, like family oriented dude who's going to be a good pro, a good leader in the locker room. Um, and so like I think that's the part of the locker room he's going to sit in metaphorically speaking, but he's definitely not going to be like a bad influence on the locker room. He never has been. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good uh, input. So we may have already mentioned how many goals we hope from him. Those were two of the other questions that came in Uh, over under nine and a half goals. That's from Zariaga two. Adias wanted to know what's your two early over under on goals prediction. And then Taylor Rudolph texted me and asked a slightly different question, which is total goal contributions over under 15. If we want to take both of those. Like, Ooh, yeah. So I let's set the number. What what is what is the number that makes it hard to answer? The number that makes it hard to answer for me on goals. Is let's just say just goals for now. Just goals. Eleven. I was gonna say eleven and a half. Or yeah, eleven and a half. Actually, that's what it would be. Like if because if he gets twelve or more, I feel like that's a good year. And if he gets nine to eleven, he did okay. And anything less than that, like I feel like it's a waste. Yeah. Um, Man, if he can stay healthy and play the expected amount of games, I'm going to take the over on that on 11 and a half. If he can't stay healthy, then maybe he's not going to get that. But goal contributions is an interesting one, too, because he's not a guy who historically has gotten a ton of assists, really. Yeah, he had one year we had 19 goals and zero assists. I saw saw it. I think it's his biggest goal scoring year. Uh, So Taylor's 
Taylor's line is pretty good also. 15 for for goals plus assists. Yeah, that's a tough line there. Again, I'll, I'll make it the same answer. Like, if he stays healthy, we'll say over on 15 total goal contributions. And if he can't, then it's going to be under. I'm going to go, I'm going to go in between and say, he's going to, he's, he's going to, we're going to be happy with him, but he's going to have 12 goals and two assists. So go over on the goals under on the total contributions and it will still okay. be a solid year from him. Um, oh, we talked about the Mohawk already. Will Wellhausen asked if I would get a blonde Mohawk out of respect for our new signing. I will not. <laughs> I don't think I could. Maybe if I could, I would, but I think a Mohawk is not a good look for me. And then Brian Hensley asked, better yet, do you think the rest of the team will also get blonde Mohawks to match Giassi and Diego to confuse opponents on the pitch? I feel like we have a lot of blonde-haired dudes. Julio's, hair is, Julio's hair is pretty blonde sometimes too, right? Yeah, he does the blonde tips on it every once in a while. Uh, I don't know that anybody's confusing Diego and Jossie's art. I think Jossie's <laughs> like 6'2". Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the the better question here is, will Jossie go Verde on the Mohawk? Oh, yeah. That would be a do great th- question. Do you think he would be willing to change it to go team colors, even though he's never done that? I don't think. Not to my knowledge. I don't think he's ever done it. He's never done anything beyond blonde as far as you know? I don't think so. I could be wrong. I don't with this with this story with it being about his family. Like I can see him being the kind of guy that would not change it at all, no matter what, to to keep it the way it is. Uh, maybe somebody can talk him into it. I don't. I don't know. Um, before we wrap up on Zarda's talk, I wanted to bring up maybe some of the concerns we have about him as well. So he has had some injury troubles over the last few years. If you look at his production, the last two or three seasons, it hasn't been to the level of what he's done in years before. He generally does produce when he is healthy. And so um, we'll see if he can actually stay healthy as he gets into his thirties and talking about aging. So we talk about how he uses intelligence and, and, just good positioning to get into good goal and goal scoring positions, make smart runs. But he also uses athleticism to, to kind of create separation from descender defenders to do that, that last little burst of speed to kind of get into an open space at the right time. As he gets older, he will probably get a little bit slower. And so the question becomes like, can his body still do what it takes to be a successful MLS goal scorer? I, he hasn't had just like a huge physical drop off when he's healthy. And so I don't think he's going to just fall off a cliff this season, but you never know, like crazy things start to happen to your body once you hit 30. So, uh, hopefully he, those two things won't be a problem, but I could see them being a concern uh, over the, these la these three years that he has on the contract with Austin. Yeah. And to the point there, um, on the contract earlier, I'm surprised that it was, that was a little bit surprised it's a three year deal because of the position he plays and because he's in a in an age where you you see decline there um and he hasn't played a ton of i mean he hasn't played every match basically since 2019 i think um so you could maybe maybe he does deteriorate some but still um you would hope there's enough minutes to go around and enough goals to come from the strikers all together you know hopefully like there's plenty of opportunity for maxi to play even if it's not starting which Every match, which means maybe he doesn't want to go. There has to be minutes for Musa Jite. Uh, last year, he did still play 2,200 minutes, which was, mo- which was his most minutes since 2019. Um, and he wasn't as productive, maybe, as in past years, but Colorado was Colorado, too. It's not a great place for offensive production. So 
hopefully we've got at least one more year of the Giassi Zardes that we've mostly known to grow and expect. Yeah, so I went and looked up this quote from Gary Lineker. I can never remember who said it or what the exact quote is, but Gary Lineker was talking about moving off the ball. And the quote is, everybody says it's being in the right place at the right time, but it's more than that. It's being in the right place all the time. And so that's going to – I'm probably – I'm hoping I can bring this up when talking about Zardes throughout this season, pointing out moments where he's in the right place all the time, and hopefully that will lead to some goals. But – um, yeah, we'll see. All right, you want to wrap it up, uh, move on to a few more player moves that we heard about when we go beyond there. Number one, uh, Hector Jimenez re-signed a new contract with Austin FC during the offseason. We know like from the golf conversation that he was expecting to be back, but there's a couple points in this contract that I think are interesting and a positive development um, for Austin. Those being that he's on a supplemental roster spot and the, the salary that comes along with it. So maybe... Like what's what's your reaction to this re-signing? Yeah, I mean, because it's a supplementary supplemental roster spot, I really like this. I think that's really good business for Austin. Um, whenever you look at 2023 and how many matches Austin are going to be playing, we've got MLS, we've got Leagues Cup, we've got US Open Cup, we've got Concacaf Champions League. With all that, it's going to be a ton of games, and so if you can get experienced guys like Hector Jimenez on what is this essentially the the lowest level roster spot you can give a guy of his age the lowest amount of money you can give a guy at his age the, these are spots that are normally taken up by um like mls journeymen who haven't really played that much or like guys who you aren't expecting to give a lot to the team over this course of a season if you can fill that spot with a veteran like Jimenez who we know whenever he's healthy can be a, an asset to this team even more of an asset in the locker room probably uh, I I really like this move got it too so and looking at the MLS salary guide last year he made about 200 200k is his official reported salary he's probably at about 85 for 23 so you know it's Hector Jimenez he's a few months older but he's less than half the price that seems like a good smart piece of business I don't know though that that necessarily resolves the fullback depth completely to my satisfaction. How do you feel about that? No, I, I completely agree. I would like to see one of those remaining senior roster spots to go to another fullback. Yeah, and we got Rodney's agent. What's what, what's Rodney's agent's name again? Uh, is it Diego Serati? Yes, Serati. Yeah. He's he's being himself again. And <laughs> we had a recent quote said Roddy's here in Austin, wants more minutes. And basically I think he says we're talking about how we're gonna make it happen, right? Yeah, uh, the quote, quote was he he's gonna stay in Austin, he wants more minutes, and we like we see a way to Oh, make that's right, that we see a way to make it happen. Sorry. I've only I'm three hundred and fifty five days into Duolingo. I should know that by now. <laughs> how to read how to read that quote. So do you see a way to make that make that happen? I mean I think we're going to talk a little bit later about this interview that uh, Claudio Reyna did with Adrian Healy on the Very In Black podcast. But he, one thing Claudio said is like, we've got some guys who maybe didn't get as many minutes as they wanted to. We're going to have a lot of games. Therefore, guys are going to get minutes. I was very curious if he was including Rodney Reddas in that or not. And I think on a show recently, I said that Austin, strangely, like Austin Wingers FC, need depth at the wing position and somebody I can't remember who it was 
were making fun of us because we didn't mention Rodney at all in that conversation. <laughs> and so it's, I think there's maybe a couple of positions where I feel this way, but if we go into this season with Rodney Red as second on the depth chart at one of the wings, I'm not going to feel great about that. And so I would like for them to bring in somebody else. And if Rodney earns minutes in that scenario, great. But I don't want to be in a situation where we're giving Rodney minutes just because he's the only one there. Yeah. Do you think that quote means anything? I, mean, I think it's just an agent talking about his guy. Like I don't. Yeah. He's I talked a I lot too. Yeah. This guy said a lot. I think he's also, is he also Cecilio Dominguez's agent? And Romanius, I believe. Yeah. Isn't, so, he? Isn't he all three? This guy said a lot of stuff. He so, said a lot of stuff on behalf of a lot of people. He's entertaining. So, I mean, from among the agents, especially now that, that uh, Diego's dad's not his agent, he's probably the most entertaining one we have left. Yeah, that's almost certainly true. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It, like, it makes me think that maybe he is continuing Austin. Um, maybe this means that Rodney's destined for MLS Next Pro minutes. Who knows? We'll see. One, and then one other interesting player thing, possibly outbound. There was this. Uh, news that Owen Wolf is potentially a prospect for PSV. Um, yeah, this being is outbound, interesting. which is kind of exciting and interesting, but I didn't expect to see that so soon. Yeah, I I had heard whispers of the possibility of Owen going to Europe um, over like this past summer is when I heard that. So when Austin announced the deal with PSV later in the year, I was like, okay, this makes even more sense that there's like a direct link for us to send a, a young player like this too. And so I'm a little bit torn. Like I, I would love to see him go over and get to Europe as soon as he can and start developing at, at PSV, which is one of the best developing clubs in the world. Like they've, they've cranked out tons of players over the years. And so that would be great for Owen, but I would also love for him to like have a breakout season here first and then go over there. So, um, Either way, like I'll be, I'll be happy with it. But it would be pretty exciting to see Austin FC homegrown player, quote unquote homegrown player, uh, playing over in Europe and, and fighting for some minutes there. Yeah, I'm gonna be super selfish and hate this deal for him for now <laughs> at least. Because I mean, he's like you say, he's a homegrown. He's occupying one of the lowest roster spots. Like he paid, makes like sixty five thousand dollars a year. We've got a ton of fixtures with the Cup, uh, with Concacaf Champions League and U.S. Open Cup. Like he's the he is value to the club is way more than like his salary charge right now because he can fill in and play multiple positions and in multiple competitions and he's young and it would be very, very hard to find somebody else that could fill that same spot on the roster for the, what we're paying him. Cause it would be pure speculation. Otherwise last point I would like to make on this is what all the folks who were crying nepotism about Owen Wolf getting that homegrown deal before they'd ever actually seen him play. Uh, I'm curious what the what those folks are saying now. Oh gosh, you think my people might be a little over emotional, overreactive, and change their mind on a whim? I don't, I don't know. That seems impossible. But I guess one, of, I didn't know this. There's this in this tweet thread. There's this thing that says that he was recently on a short training stand at PSV and made a good impression. Did we know? Maybe he went over with accurate? the academy team. Oh, maybe so. Maybe so. That would make sense because they were there. Okay, I'm willing to buy that. All right, you want to take a break and. Look at the roster and talk about some other news. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, hang tight. We'll be right back with more Moon Tower Soccer. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Sage Wilson Property Group. 
If you or someone you know are in need of Sage Real Estate advice in Austin, talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. You can find them online at sagewilson.com. And as always, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to fvf.law to find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fvf.law. So we're back. One of the things we wanted to do is take a look at where we are this year and last year. Uh, Versus at this point last year in terms of the roster build, because although there hasn't been a ton of action, I feel like every move that that Austin has made so far uh, has been an improvement positionally. So we've... Danny Houston out, Chigasi Sardes in it forward, Felipe out, Jafal in, uh, in the midfield, and then $200,000 Hector out, $85,000 Hector out on the wing. And we believe that that leaves us with two or three senior roster spots, depending upon where, where Thomas Pochettino is, um, and a decent amount of money. And there hasn't been a huge spend if you look at player for player in terms of like whether we've spent more or less. So we should maybe be kind of in the same place. So you, Landon Cottom, if you were Claudio, what would you do to prioritize where you would spend the money that we have left during this offseason? I'm looking at three positions. Um, the main one, again, this one, it feels weird to say this, but I think my main priority would be on the wing. I feel like for so long, we just talked about how many wingers we have. We have too many wingers, but looking at the guys still on the roster, I think we have... Uh, Rigoni and Finley on the right. We have Fagundes and I guess Redes on the left. Are those the only wingers still on the roster? Uh, they are, unless you consider Owen Wolf a winger, which he played most. That's not his best position, but that's where he spent a lot of time last year. Was was on the wing, but beyond that, yeah, there's nobody else there. Yeah, I can guarantee you, PSV's not playing Owen Wolf on the wing. It's <laughs> fair. Uh, but I, I would like for Austin to be in a position where they do not have to play Owen Wolf on the wing. And so, or Rodney Red is just because he's there and has a pulse. Like, I want to have options there. And so we've got a senior roster spot. We've got a little bit of money to spend. I'd like to see one of those spots go to a winger who we think can contribute significant minutes this year. Um, the other spot, I think we talked about it earlier in the show, is fullback. Um Charlie Asensio, I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe go on loan again, or I'm, I'm not going to expect him to go from like a, a decent USL player to being ready to play a bunch of minutes this year. And then Hector Jimenez, we saw him kind of have a bit of a decline last year. I would like to bring in someone there. And then the one that I'm like the least sure is going to happen is center back. I would still really love them to see see them bring in a really high-level center back if they could fit it in to the budget. Yeah, and you have a guy, and I don't know if we've talked about him on the show. I know we talked about him when we, we did have the, we, many we, times now. Yeah. Okay. I knew we I knew we did like the, I knew when we did the Phil West uh like uh Verde Letters thing or whatever. Like that's we had a long piece on it, but Yeah, but. Alex Collins for those who don't know. But I think we talked about him probably on every show for the last month. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so he's still he's, he's still your team. He's still not signed with anybody. He's not re-signed with New York, and there haven't really been any rumors. Um, so, still kind of waiting on that one. So, from an outsider perspective, looking at this club, and I think this maybe came up a little bit on the live show that you did on the striker. 
it seems like the biggest potential for an upgrade for a starter would be a center back, right? Would be a replacement for Julio Cascante. I don't think there would be a ton of argument about that. It's like, why do you think that that is not likely to happen given Austin FC's current situation? I just, I, I could see a scenario where Josh Wolf just doesn't care about Cascante's uh, weaknesses because he's so good on the ball and does such a good job playing the ball forward and being an asset to the offense. I could see him just saying like, yeah, I don't care about the other stuff. He does this better than anybody that we could realistically get in this league. And so we're sticking with our guy. That's exactly the answer I thought you would give. And that's really, that's, that's, that, that was the softball question. Cause I think that's something that people get. Lucas Conte functions exactly as Josh Wolf wants him to function. Like that's what he wants out of, out of his defense. And it makes a lot of people angry, but I don't think that Josh is suddenly going to change his ways because of that. Yeah. And I'm sure Josh Wolf doesn't think Julio is perfect, but he knows that there are limitations in this league and that a guy who defends like Ruben and plays the ball like Julio plays in the English championship or like for a lower, lower level premier league team. Like that's, that's the reality. And so to get both of those things in a guy, like, I think like Wolf is going to choose offense every time. And so, yeah, that that's, that's my reasoning, but you could maybe see them trying to move a guy like Romagna if they don't believe he's going to be the guy soon, but maybe they do believe he is. So yeah, I, I really don't know. And then Kip Keller, like we don't know if he's there yet, but think that he probably will be there within a few years, either, uh, as a guy that Austin can start working in or an asset that they can move at some point. But um, yeah, I, I could see them looking at that group and saying, yeah, we're good. We're not going to change anything. Yeah, I, I think you may well be right on that. Um, let's go off-field stuff right quick. This is the kissing up to the Austin FC front office part since we know <laughs> some of them listen to the show maybe. But uh, it was a good, I mean, Austin's got a lot of recognition all the way around this year. So I'll just quickly go through this, but uh, Major League Soccer announced the winners of the 2022 MLS Club Awards. Uh, Andy Lochnane was named Executive of the Year, and four club departments were recognized as award winners, winning Communications Team of the Year, Marketing Team of the Year, Medical Staff of the Year, and Ticket Sales Team of the Year. I'm sure the ticket sales people are amazing, but it seems like a really easy job among all these, <laughs> right? Like, the demand is insane, and I'm sure they did a lot they did, a, they did a, a lot to 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 make that happen, but um, it's just cool to see this recognition for the club, um, all the all the way around. And it, like the communications team of the year, I don't know if that specifically includes the video people. It should, but like even today, like the Zardes video that came out that was already done this afternoon was was really nice and really special. So congratulations to the club there. Yeah, absolutely, very well earned. Um, uh, medical staff of the year, I believe Dave Tinney's department falls into that. And I think they had a big, like, like high performance uh, conference in Austin recently that Dave Tinney was like the keynote guy. Um, I think it's, it's easy to forget. Like he's very well respected in this field and was kind of one of the first to do it at such a high level in MLS with the Sounders. Um, and so, yeah, there's, it's, I think it's, again, like we weren't sure whenever this ownership group came in, if they were going to take this seriously, if they were going to actually invest in these things and they've shown that they have. So, um, yeah, kudos to them. Um, you want to go, but this other thing came out today. We got 
some ticket details around the uh, CONCACAF Champions League at Q2. So they will go on sale on Wednesday, December 14th. Um, if you're on the wait list or the general public, if you're an Austin FC season ticket member, you'll automatically receive tickets to the match as a feature of your membership. This is the home leg on March 14th against Haitian club Violet AC, um, which will be in the round of 16. So they're going to first play in the Dominican Republic and then come back home and play in Austin for the second leg on March 14th at 7 p.m. Yeah, so this we weren't quite sure this is actually going to happen for a while, but right. as we get further along, it, these details seem to be pretty pretty concrete, and the team is at least acting like they think it's going to happen. So that's exciting. Um, as far as the tickets go, I th- I don't think it's a given that season tickets holders get given tickets to these games. And so I think that's pretty cool that those are being included because I don't think every every season ticket holder in the league gets that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right on that. I think that came up in the uh, in the, some discussion in Slack when people were complaining about not getting a season ticket gift. And somebody else is like, well, yeah. <laughs> you get a lot of free tickets to games, so maybe consider that's your season ticket gift, which is awesome. Um, because like these tickets aren't necessarily cheap and like there's a lot of there's a lot of families and stuff. So I mean, it's good that people are able to get the most the most others take it and they can get some games that they weren't necessarily counting on, um, which also obviously helps the club because they're a lot more likely to have a stadium full of fans if season ticket holders are getting them as opposed to having to pay for pay for them separately depending upon like whatever's going on in their budget in their life that they have to make decisions about where to spend their money. So I think it's a win all the way around. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way. I did not remember or notice that they didn't send gifts last year. But I damn sure would notice if they were asking me to pay to go to this game. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, what's what's next? You want to talk about this? I, did, I you listened to this last week because I think it came out last week. But Claudio was on the Verde Black podcast, uh, interviewed by our friend Adrian Healy. Um, did re- sort of a review of 2022. Talked about some roster stuff. I think probably the most interesting things that he the thing that he talked about in the interview was the MLS next. Um, Pro team, we finally got some details on what that might look like for next year. Uh, you listened to it too, right? Like, what were the things that stood out for you in terms of this interview? Yeah, I think the number of players that they're looking to sign was the thing that was um, most interesting to me. He said they're looking to sign 14 to 16 players for MLS Next Pro. I'm guessing that includes that 14 to 16 will include any academy players that they decide to bring up meaning that there's probably like four to six players on the first team that they're going to be relying on to fill in numbers on that team. And so I think we we just had a lot of questions as to like how many first team guys would be going down regularly. And I think this gives us a vague idea of, of what that's going to look like. Yeah, that, that was interesting. Um, and the way the academy players, I hadn't thought about this, but I guess it makes sense that when he talked about how the best academy players will like be able to train with them every day and they will eventually play. But it didn't. He didn't make it sound like like from the start that academy players were necessarily going to be playing with the MLS Next Pro Club, which I thought was was kind of interesting. And we know, I think the first for the first time, like when the schedule starts, the games will start at the end of March. But he never really went into where, right? And they're going to train at no. St. David's Performance Center. So they're going to train with the first team. They're going to operate at the same facility. They'll be at the same time. He talked a lot about wanting to give like a similar like first class experience 
to the team, but he didn't mention where they're going to play. I would assume it's going to be out there at the the Parmer Field or whatever, I would think. I have heard that it is going to be Parmer Field from several different people, but it is interesting the club is being cagey about it still. I I wonder if there actually is some possibility that it wouldn't be there or if it's just one of those things that they're keeping every detail close to the vest just because that's kind of what they do. <laughs> yeah, well, those, both those are possible. This, this is going to get into something I don't know, but the club doesn't actually own Parmer Field, does it? I don't think so. I believe the developers who develop the pitch own Parmer Field. Like I remember seeing a map once and like that little alleyway or road thing in between the Performance Center and where the pitch and Parmer Field are are the facilities. So maybe they can't for some reason because of that, but I would imagine that thing got built by those developers that people would like go to matches at Parmer Field and then eat and drink at the pitch. Yeah, you'd have to think that was the idea. So it would be weird if that deal wasn't done already. But yeah, I, I imagine we'll be finding out this stuff pretty soon. Um, like we said on a recent show, like they're going to start playing. And did they? Oh, and it, it, the games will start at the end of March. And so yeah. there is more time than than the first team has to get get going. But since they're starting it from scratch, they're going to need to start hiring technical staff. They're going to need to start formally signing players. They're going to need to get this stuff done pretty soon. So I'm, I would guess it's not going to be too long before some of this starts coming out. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, we, we'll get into some more soccery stuff, but I wanted to follow up on this question last week. Natalie Guidry asked about the White Lotus to Austin FC comparison. I guess, one, at that point in time, you had not watched this season I had not, of White Lotus? We've watched it all now. We finished the whole season. You caught the way up, inc- so. including last night? Yeah. Okay, which we're not going to spoil first, anything. First time I've watched uh, something akin to live television in many, many years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I was watching it week by week, and I was super annoyed. I was like, wait, I have to wait seven days to see this show again? Like, I don't like this at all. But uh, Adam had some tips about how uh, White Lotus and Austin FC are alike, and I don't know. We could just read through these, and maybe if you if you have some of the, your favorites, that we could react to them. But number one, the head of culture makes a big deal of greeting everyone on the first day, but you haven't really seen them that much since. I think it's definitely true in season one. Number two, beers cost a shocking amount. Um, I don't know that we know how much beers cost in White Lotus. I thought one thing that was weird is they eat every meal in the hotel restaurant, which seems strange <laughs> if you're traveling. Yeah. In Italy, what a stupid in, thing to do. In Italy, yeah. Why are you always eating there? <laughs> Uh, your friend drags you out on an overnight away trip, and nothing goes according to plan. I think that happens a lot. That did not happen to us in Nashville, which I was very. Well, the game didn't go according. The game didn't to go plan. according to plan, but everything yes. else was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Um, trying to buy this is one of my favorites. This is probably my favorite. Trying to buy a new wardrobe at the on-site clothing store is expensive <laughs> AF. Uh, close up Austin FC Tiger onesie. Uh, or like I the one game that was cold in 2021 when I had to buy Jackson the hoodie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that. But he still wears it, so it's probably turned out to be a, a okay value. How about your sketchy friend gets too drunk pre-gaming and walks down the street shouting soccer chants for his favorite team? I feel like that's probably <laughs> very, very true. And I'm going to go to the bottom two here. Season two is better than anyone expected, but ends with despair. We didn't know this at that time, but okay, it's fine. And you probably shouldn't be drinking this much. I think that was very true of both Austin FC and White Lotus. I So I remember Natalie asking this question on last week's show. And then we started watching it like literally the next day. We started watching season two. And the very first scene of this show is all of the main characters on a boat 
and you see uh, Aubrey Plaza's character and she's with a man there and the man turns his head and I'm like, there's the Austin FC connection right there. It's Owen Wolf. The the character Ethan looks a lot like <laughs> Owen Wolf to me. And you had it. You had it in one minute. I love it. <laughs> All right. So there's, uh, before we wrap up, we wanted to cover a couple of other uh, pieces of Austin FC news. So the 2023 schedule, we've had a lot of people asking questions about that. Um, we're, we're kind of expecting that soon, aren't we, Jeremiah? Yeah, we have from Seth Rao, the encyclopedia of all things. Um, I think we're expecting a schedule maybe as soon as this week. Uh, and the other note that we have here that he's expecting to see is that we have, with 15 teams in the East, Austin should play two Western teams three times and only play six games against the East to balance the schedule out, which I don't love, but uh, we'll see what it looks like when it comes out. But we should... Everybody thinks that we will see a schedule this week, and everybody thinks also that unlike last year where we got the whole, uh, I believe, like the first week matches well before we got the announcement for the rest of them, that the whole schedule will come out all at once. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, do you think they would go out of their way to make it rivals that you play three times? Like, will we play maybe the two Texas teams three I, times? I would think so. I mean, why, that's the only way you're going to have a lot of appeal about you know, playing somebody three times. Like I would like if we play RSL three times or Minnesota three times. Does anybody <laughs> care about that? So I can definitely see them wanting to, to, to hype that up uh, among the teams where, where there's a potential for rivalry to do that. And then also, you know, with six games to get the East. I think we talked last time. There's what five teams we haven't played. Um, so we yeah. should see all those plus one other Eastern conference team. All right. Well, um, I, if we do get the schedule anytime soon, I think we're we're hoping to have Seth on, aren't we? Are we? Is yep. it okay to say that? We, yeah, we're it's okay to say that. Okay. Seth, Seth's <laughs> planning to be on, so we want to have Seth on and kind of talk through the schedule and some away travel. And that guy does a ton of work behind the scenes, and, and from Chicago now, like a guy does a ton of work yeah. behind the scenes for Austin FC and the Austin FC fan base from hundreds of miles away. So we'd love to have him on and sort of talk through all of that. Uh, one other piece of news is that the 2023 EMLS Cup is going to return to Austin. So it's going to be during South by Southwest again. Uh, March 12th is the date. Talking to folks around the club and just like at that event last year and talking to like the the people from the league who are there, they seemed really impressed with with the turnout and kind of the atmosphere that was at that event. I think we were both impressed with it as well. So I think it makes sense that they're going to bring it back to Austin, maybe that can kind of become a thing. Like that's just what it is. Like EMLS final is in Austin every year. Yeah, that's really cool. And I want to go back to our experience a little bit. Like I was, I was not expecting a lot of it. I'm not a, I haven't played FIFA in like 10 years. Um, and I'm not a gamer, but that was a really uh, fun event and, and cool event. And the line was around. I, one thing I know is like the line was around the block, right? Like the whole time. So I can see how, uh, MLS was very excited to have that kind of enthusiasm about it, but I had a really good time. So hopefully they will invite us back to cover the event again this year um, because I, I would love to do it. I thought it was great. All right. Anything else before we wrap up, Jeremiah? No, let's go ahead and wrap it up. All right. We'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you would like to continue the conversation, send us questions, or just chat about your favorite seasonal beer, come find us at Elviahero87 and at jbentley underscore atx on twitter we're also at moon tower soccer on twitter and instagram and then sign up for the patreon like we said last week we're gonna have some cool new stuff uh early part of the next year as the new uh new rewards 
anybody who is a continuing member will also get those rewards. And then we'd also encourage you to visit the Striker website where you can get a 30% discount with the code MOONTOWER22 with a capital M. Jeremiah, what should folks look out for there? Well, there is a uh, good article from Phil West that goes all into the signing of uh, Jesse Zardes. And this reminds me of something. Austin FC signs USMNT veteran Jesse Zardes. It's like a, it's like a real thing in ways that Nick Lima... USMT veteran and Ethan Finley, USMT veteran, <laughs> were not. I think we can definitely say that we have our first player who's like a real, legitimate contributor to the national team. And he, he even, I think he had a couple caps this year. I don't know that he will going forward, but, uh, but yeah, Phil's article is a good article. Offseason coverage is strong, and you know, honestly, should have brought this up. Uh, like Phil's article about his dad, who oh, passed yeah. away recently, is also you know very sweet and thoughtful, and our thoughts do. Uh, go out to Phil and his family um, in what is a super challenging time. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, We appreciate you all listening to the show and spreading the word. We'll be back next week with some more Austin FC news. Until then, I'm Lennon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around Think for nothing, you never... La gente... Oh, my God.